0: Melissa has a special this morning.
1: Blossom, their sweet fragrance filled the air. But when winter came, it withered, the petals drooped and fell to the ground. Sweetheart, A loving wife for forty years He cherished every day they had And held the memories dear He never dreamed he'd bury love And go on to live alone When he lay his rose to rest He looked to heaven and tried his best. Sharon, broken, bruised, and cruel shame. Stained the cross of Calvary so that men might be saved. Satan cheered as he died while Mary Kept a promise only he could keep.
0: Thank you, Miss Melissa. And it's, again, it's great to see everybody here. Appreciate uh, we have several pinch hitting in different areas, and uh, appreciate Miss Barbara on the piano, and Caleb back there, and Kenneth, and working to get the uh, all the audio and video and everything ready. Open your Bibles to the last for the last time, the Sermon on the Mount, and that is in Matthew chapter seven. We will wrap up this look at the most. Life-changing message Jesus ever preached, and he, pre- he had a lot of things to say, and how to live, and what he expects of us, and it's good to know, it's kind of like uh, working on a job, uh, you do a lot better job if you know what the boss expects, if you know what uh, clear direction, and just haphazard going about trying to figure it out uh, on your own, doesn't always work. And so we'll be looking today at this last message, looking forward to Michaela's baptism. It'll be after the invitation, and we'll have that. And also, normally, of course, Brother Norman will lead us in a in some songs while we get ready. Hopefully we can get ready in just one song, but we have a, a special treat for you and a special group coming in just for this. And uh be singing. So get ready. It'll be a treat for you right after the invitation and before the baptism. Alright, let's look at the subject of wise choice. We'll finish up this life of excellence series. Let's all stand for the reading of God's holy word. And we'll just read to begin with verses twenty one, twenty two, In 23, I'm in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have uh, cast out devils. And in thy name have we done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Father, thank you for this time. We have to look to your holy word. May we check our hearts this morning. There's someone here this morning that They've never been saved, and maybe they're counting on just being good. Maybe they're counting on uh, being a church member or being baptized. We know that your word says that good works don't get us there. But placing our faith and trust in you is what it's all about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Speaking on the subject of a wise choice, just beginning with this very first point, and that is that you might want to check. You might want to check. might want to check what? You might want to check and make sure that you're saved, and uh, to know that you're saved. And right off the bat, in verse 21 is where we'll be saying, staying for just a little bit. And uh then we'll and if you have a bulletin, I pray you picked one up on the way in and follow along and know kind of know the direction that we're headed. The main thing in looking at these scriptures this morning is that uh Jesus said this this occurs a lot. And matter of fact, I don't think it was I mean, he knew that it wasn't by accident that right before this he's saying the direction to heaven has got a narrow gate And a narrow way. And there's few people that go in that way. The way that leads to everlasting destruction has got a wide gate and a, a broad way. And many people are headed down that road. Then, right after he says that, he goes to this. And what is he saying? He says, not everybody that says unto me, Lord, Lord, what does that mean to me today? If I've got to check this out, because this morning's message may be a life-changing message for you this morning. Now, I pray that everybody in this room this morning knows Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's nothing wrong with checking. As a matter of fact, if you've been saved very long, you might have had times where you doubted your salvation. I remember a time, especially in my teenage years, I was saved at the age of 10. So I was fairly young, but I mean, we just started. We just started. That's, that's how old I was when I first started going to church. I heard the message about how to get saved, how to go to heaven. I came under conviction and asked Jesus to save me. Now, during my teenage years, wasn't really really rebellious, but... I didn't have a close walk with the Lord. And so sometimes there would be times where I would get under conviction, mainly my conviction. I know looking back and even looking back during my 20s, then I look back and I said, well, man, I just you know, can I know that I'm saved? Is there any evidence in the Bible that says you can know that you're saved? I've heard people, and you probably have too, that have stated this, and you might have stated this. And a lot of times you state this maybe not knowing what, there's some verses in the Bible that says you can know that you're saved. But you may have heard somebody say, and you might have said, man, I sure hope I'm saved. I sure hope I'm going to heaven when I die. I hope that man, I just hope me and God are okay. I hope me and the Lord are right I've heard people say that trying to assure me that they're saved. I've talked to people on their deathbed people in i c u knowing that they're not they know they're not going to live long, and I know they're not going to live long and i'm and the family has sent me in there with express wishes and it's And I understand the dilemma there because a lot of times something has happened over the years where you've got somebody that's whatever age and the family wants the preacher to check that they're saved, you know, you know, and, and either a, the family doesn't feel comfortable talking to, it could be their grandfather or their, aunt, uncle, their mom, or their dad, and they may not feel comfortable talking to, and they're laying there dying. They're, I mean, we're, we're just waiting for the flat line to happen. Now, this has happened many times in my 30 years in the ministry, almost 30 years. And people, oh, preacher, can you go in there and have one last talk with them? And I say, okay. I mean, anybody want to go with me? Well, we've, we've told them that that's our desire. But just saying, just being bold enough to say, and this fellow over in Texas, his name was Johnny. And I said, Johnny, you going to heaven? You going to hell? Where are you headed? We had already had this discussion once and it ended in futility. And he stated to me and he said, uh, He said, Well, me and, the, me and the Lord, we're okay. We have an understanding. That has nothing to do with Jesus. Just saying those words has nothing to do with Jesus. And so I, and I'll witness to them and I'll say, this is how you get saved. Number one, we're all sinners. We need Jesus. We need a Savior because we're all headed toward hell. Every one of us. Before we get saved. Before we ask Jesus to save us. And that's why Jesus is saying in the previous verses, not everybody's going to heaven. And matter of fact, there's some people that say, I think I'm going to heaven, and some of them have said, I've called on the Lord, but he says, Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, I need to know. Did I just say a prayer? There's hey folks, there's been people that have said a prayer after a preacher, or maybe in a in a in a track, or maybe something in preachers in it and it could be just a Went at it from a maybe a, a different direction. And by that I mean they're trying to say, just say this prayer, but you have to mean it from your heart. Yeah, that's true, but you have to be careful because sometimes people will trust in a set of words rather than a Savior. And a set of words doesn't save anybody. It, it's like saying abracadabra or shazam. Does that have magical powers? No, it's, it doesn't. And so, I've got to put my trust, not in a prayer, but in a Savior. My trust, the prayer is just me talking to Him. The prayer is just me telling Him, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I don't deserve heaven, but would You save me anyway? And just saying, I need You. So, it's not about church membership. It's not about being baptized. It's not about saying even a, a prayer. Notice, when I say a prayer, it means I'm just... If I say these words, I'll go to heaven. No. You must give your heart, your life. Now, I say that interchangeably because people have said it different ways. Lord, come into my heart. Lord, come into my life. It doesn't matter how you say it. It doesn't matter the exact words you use. But you're doing basically two things. You're repenting. That means I'm a sinner and I'm going the wrong direction. And you turn to Jesus and you call on him. And that's basically those two things. Now, you could expand that out a little bit or ever what, saying, well, then I need to confess to him that I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. But basically saying, I know I'm a sinner and I'm headed the wrong direction and I need Jesus. Jesus, would you save me? And so that's what I want you to check on today. First head, if you will, to first John, you can know that you're saved. This is very important. I don't want to miss the power of Scripture in these passages. In 1 John chapter 3. Now, why am I looking over here in 1 John? I'm looking over here because some people think that you really can't know that you're saved. But the Bible says differently. You can know. In first John chapter three, and we hit this I think last week or maybe it was the week before, sometimes the scriptures run together. It says in first John three fourteen, we know that we passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And there's, you, there's a whole passage there. Meaning this, I know I'm saved because I know what happened to me. And it wasn't magical. It was, really you could say it was supernatural. The Holy Spirit, God, came into my life. Jesus came into my life. He changed me. And I don't have the same desires I used to have. I know that in my heart, I love and I want to share God's love with others. Turn just a couple, one page over it, maybe in your Bible. Two pages. First John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, These things, John, I wrote these things unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Basically, that verse is about assurance. It says right there that you may know. You can know that you're saved this morning. You don't have to say, I hope I'm saved. Our text says... Not everyone that saith unto me lord lord shall enter in the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven so does that verse mean back to our verse verse 21 does it mean that uh you can that you have to do God's will to be saved all it means the whole thing Jesus is the way his will is that you accept him that's doing God's will Jesus is the way, doing His will means I have to accept His way. There's only one way. Some people in this world, and I know we live in the Bible Belt, and just about everybody in this room has heard this story, but have you slipped through, have you lived your life, and you just kind of went with the flow, then I'm a good person, I'm a good old boy, and I just pray that I'll make it. Well, if you're just hoping you'll make it, you probably have never literally asked Jesus to save you. And it says in Romans chapter 8, how, another way, can I know that I'm saved this morning? I've read to you some scriptures already. Romans eight sixteen says this, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit itself beareth witness With our spirit. That what? That you're a child of God. So did you know this? Once you get saved, God's spirit comes inside of you and does two things. It bears witness. It convicts you that I know I'm going to heaven. Because why? Because God's Holy Spirit is in me and He, I know he's there. And when I mess up, he tears me up. If you can live a life away from the Lord and be happy, you're probably not saved. You're probably the Lord and you're just living life to be happy. (laughs) You're just living for yourself. And because so if I'm not serving God like I should, I need to check. I need to check two things. Am I under conviction? And if not, am I saved? Do I know Jesus as my Savior? The difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge is shown in here. This is another thing that can happen. Some Go to James, chapter 2. And this simply, James is saying the same thing. So again, our text says, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. It says here, and he says, man, you know, back in our text, it says, uh, man, Jesus, we've done great things for you. We've went to church. And back in Jesus' day, man, they had miracles and this, this and that. And I was around. I was right beside the apostle when he did that. Man, I've been to church so long. And I, man, I've got scriptures memorized. I went to Sunday school this morning, Lord. That ought to count for something. I went to church. I even went at night a few times. Man, that's got to count for something. Well, it says here in James 2.18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith. And I I, hey, I've done good stuff. I've done good works. He says, show me thy faith without thy works. In other words, somebody says they're saved, but they never do anything. And I will show thee my faith by my works, which means I'm I'm, I'm saved and I'm trying to live for the Lord. Thou believest that there's one God. And when it says in the King James Version, thou doest well, (laughs) you know what that means? You believe in God. That's great. (laughs) That's good that you believe in him, but it's kind of like believing in George Washington or or World War II, that it happened. And I really believe it happened. But saying you believe in God just is like, do you believe in Him that He's a, just a person? I've heard people say, I say, are you going to heaven? I believe. Well, that doesn't mean anything. If we've never prayed and asked Jesus to save us. He goes on to say, even the devils believe. They tremble. They're scared to death of Him. <clears throat> Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead or empty? Back up to 1 Corinthians. This is this is another powerful one. Can you know that you're saved? What are some signs? Somebody said one time, The difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge is missing heaven by 18 inches. From here to here. Ever what, that may be 14, I don't know. Depends on the person, I guess. First Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men, in other words, the word language, and, and of angels. Man, I'm a talented person. I come to church, I teach Sunday school. Man, I, I've got positions. I've got all this stuff going on. And have not charity, that means godly, self-sacrificial love. I am become as a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. I love Jesus and I love the Lord. That's what he says that's worth. Take you a bunch of pots. That'll make some music, won't it? Doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. If You can say you love Jesus all day long, but doesn't mean, he's saying you're, you make, I'd rather you hush. Because that's a bunch of noise to me. That's a bunch of, that doesn't hold anything. Just stop saying you love the Lord because, you're, because you say you love the Lord, but then you act the way you do. You're bringing shame on me. It would be better if you just hush and not say you're identifying with me because you ain't acting like you're identifying with me. That's what he's saying right here. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, man, I, I know the Bible. I've got the Bible memorized. i got this. i got that. And have not charity. I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods, you can give a million dollars to the church doesn't matter, and give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So folks, I think from all these scriptures, you can know that you're saved, and there's signs that you're saved. There's evidence that you're saved. And not only the Holy Spirit bears witness, but if you're saved, it's going to come out. Amen. If you're saved, it's gonna ha- it's gonna be expressed. Back in our text. This is scary. He goes all the way to judgment. He says all the way, let's just jump all the way ahead. Forget about trying to look at look at how good a person you are and man, you're going to church and you've got position and oh, experience or what, it doesn't matter. I've went all these scriptures. And then he jumps all the way to the judgment day. And what does he say? And then will I profess unto them. Now there's some religion, denominations, people that believe you can lose your salvation. But these are not people that lost it. You can't lose it, by the way. It's another sermon. He, does, he doesn't say, I knew you, but now I don't know you. It doesn't say that, does it? It says... I never knew you. Never. And then he utters some scary words. Depart from me. You it means workers of iniquity. You that work iniquity. You that are doing stuff for the wrong reason. You're just, just putting on a show. You're just, you're just saying it. You're trying to. Matter of fact, you said, My son's this way, but I'm going to do it this way. That's a sin. Reject Jesus. That's the, un- the Bible mentions an unpardonable sin. That's it. You try to go to heaven any other way. You reject the Holy Spirit. You say, mm, I'm thumb my nose up at Him. I'm not listening to what God's Spirit is booming in my heart. And right now, there's somebody in this room. And God's Spirit is working in, on you. Maybe, I, maybe it's, too, one, I need to be saved. Number two, I need to repent and I need to live for the Lord. I just need to start loving people. I need to just start uh, man, I'm just I'm, I've been living a, I've been living for me. I've been living selfishly and that's a sin. <clears throat> What's your foundation? Verse 24 says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and do you do them? I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. There's a neat passage. Jesus told Peter, who says, upon this rock I'll build my church. But folks, you can't even be saved without accepting that, that chief cornerstone. And his name is Jesus. First Peter chapter 2, verse 6. First Peter chapter 2, verse 6 says this, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believed, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. He's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, wherein they are also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who called Him, <clears throat> I called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Just looking at that passage right there, there are several things. Number one, Jesus is the rock you need to build your life upon. He's the chief cornerstone, the Bible says. That's a really cool illustration. It's a neat idea to think about that. There are several things that play into that, but hey, He's the rock. Build your life upon Jesus, and you've got an eternal foundation. Okay? You're going to be saved forever. doesn't oh by the way, back in our text it says, the storms came and the rain beat on that man's house. So you're building your life upon Jesus Christ. By the grace of God, you're saved and in Him you rest. It doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect and without any problems, does it? It doesn't. You're going to have storms, but your life won't crumble. why? Your life's built upon Jesus. He saved me. He keeps me saved. Okay? <clears throat> now here it also mentions that he's also a stone of stumbling. Which means this, in order to, to avoid Jesus, you've got to stumble over him. And folks, a lot of people come to church and you can get offended by just about anything and everything. People have been offended from everything. From uh, the old uh, famous one is offended over carpet. Or offended over this or offended what somebody said to me. Let them, be, let them stumble over Jesus. But let them not stumble over us. May we not be the stumbling block that keeps somebody from going to heaven. Let them, if they're going to stumble over anything, let them stumble over Jesus. He's a stone of stumbling. Many people are offended by his statements. And by his message. The Jews were. They were offended that he even said that he was the son of God. Well, <clears throat> back to our text so this life that we're called to live there's going to be storms there's going to be storms that happen verse 26 and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came The winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell. And notice this last phrase. And great was the fall of it. The fall happened back in verse 23. Your house... this when i say that let me back that up let's just say your life your life is your house the storms come it begins to crumble or it stands firm Back in verse 23, he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. That's the final fall. Great was the fall of it. Every one of you have just a short time. Ask anybody in here that's 70 or older, and they will tell you how fast life flies and the older we get and some of us may not be 70 or older but the older you get of course the faster it goes you only have a limited window of opportunity a to be saved and b to live for jesus it's up to you i cannot save you there's no brother trey cannot save you there's no other preacher in here that can save you and none of us have ever claimed to be. Only Jesus can save you. Would you check inside your heart this morning and say, Brother Michael, I'm, and say this to yourself. I'm not trusting my baptism. I'm not trusting on my pedigree. In other words, I'm kin to so-and-so, and I've and I've been to church a long time. I'm a church member. My baptism, my this, my that... Can you say this morning, number one, I'm saved because I've asked Jesus to save me. I went to him, told him I was a sinner, and I asked him to save me. And number two, would you live for him? Would you live for him? As we prepare for a hymn of invitation. Just bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. to be here this morning. And dear Lord, I thank you for those who, so many people have already placed their faith and trust in you. This is a decision that you don't take lightly. We cannot say, well, I'll do this tomorrow or tonight. I need to do this right now. I pray that if there's anybody under the sound of my voice... That needs to be saved. While we're praying right now. I pray that they would call upon you. Just in simple faith. Ask you to save them. They'd give their life to you. And Father. Help us. If we're saved. Help us to live for you every day. To love people. And to treat others the way we would want to be treated, just like we've seen in Your Word. In Jesus' name,
2: Amen.